welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Ball. My co-host, Justin Baker, standing by to break down all the rest of the signings. This is part two of our, I guess, our free agent day signings and trades. And uh, we're just going to kind of keep going from where we left off. We uh, we I think we just kind of stopped talking about the Detroit Red Wings and a lot of their moves. And so we're just going to kind of keep chugging through the signings, focus on a few teams as we go along. But uh, Justin, happy July 15th. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, halfway Saturday. through July already. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I think this is the wedding weekend of the summer, July 15th. I know July's a big month. Uh, I'll give you that. It is a big month. You just celebrated your your anniversary. I, I forget what. I mean, I was in your wedding, but I forget what exactly <laughs> what day it was. What what day was your is your wedding? Uh, June eighteenth. Oh, it's June eighteenth. Okay. All right. See, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like, oh, we're we're close to the number. I knew that. But, oh, it's June. That's right. <laughs> no, but I appreciate that. That's though. right. Your your anniversary was not hot as balls as a lot of these. I can't imagine like being in. What like was it like Florida or Arizona? I mean, there's there's some places in Arizona I think that are like 130 degrees today. Expected. That's uh, that's that's got to be a bad omen if you're getting married on a 130 degree day. <laughs> Dude, no, th- my cousin's wedding. I'm, I'm sure I probably told you this, but he got married in Florida near um, uh, it was uh, Destin. So is this um, when you broke right- your ankle? Yes, when I broke my ankle, right? He made us go to men's warehouse, get long sleeve shirts, these oh, thick no. wool pants for wool his wedding pants. outfits. Dude was getting married. It was close to 100 degrees out, like 100% humidity, and we're just all sweating. Not to mention that I'm trying to like manage on being on crutch, you know, crutches and chugging through the sand. I don't know how how people manage to do that, but uh yeah, I think at one point they even tried to say like, "Hey, let's put frisbees under the under the crutches and we'll just slide you across." I'm oh like, "No, that's gosh. that's a terrible idea." Um, it was disaster. Nobody but, was uh, like, "Hey, can we get like a golf cart?" Dude, I didn't even think about that. Something that would have been so much better. A four wheeler. <laughs> yeah, because we we legit had to like the resort where the recep or where the the reception was. We had to walk across the street, walk down a bunch of stairs to get to the beach, and it was just such a trek. By the time I got there, I was just pouring sweat already. It was, it was like, all right, hey, we got a guy in the wedding now that's on crutches. Can we make this any more difficult for him? Right. He deserves it. <laughs> Dude, I think my cousin literally planned that just to get back at me for years of torment I gave him when he was younger. Nice, <laughs> nice. Was that awesome? So kudos to him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good memory. That's right. There we go. Oh. Uh, well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, you know trying to figure out where where exactly you know, to start off. But I think the Nashville conversation is a good one to have because uh, they they buy out Matt Duchesne. That leads to, of course, him signing with Dallas. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you feel like. Barry Trotz is doing here because I mean, obviously the Matt Duchesne buyout was pretty significant um, and he's still a decent player. It's, it's not as if he, you know, he had 56 points last year. He had 22 goals and I, you know, obviously he was had a, a 
pretty big cap hit. There's no doubt about that at eight million bucks. But they buy him out. He gets well, basically his cap hit becomes two point five this year, five point five next, six point five the year after that, and then for three years it's one point five 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 forever. Talk to me about why you think they they ended up making this decision. I know it lead kind of leads to Ryan O'Reilly signing there, which is, in my opinion, uh, I don't know that, at least as far as a regular season goes, I don't know that Ryan O'Reilly gives you any more than what Duchesne gives you from an offensive standpoint or from like a, a pushing the needle standpoint. In fact, I think he's probably less effective. So, you know, essentially you, you're taking his cap hit and turning it into Ryan O'Reilly's cap hit and actually adding on a little bit more the next two years. I'm just kind of wondering why they chose now to do this. Yeah, I I guess when when you really think about it, right, I think they're they're not necessarily hitting the reset button, but I think they're trying to – I think they were just trying to come up with ways to create some cap space, right, and, and maybe not necessarily create some cap space for this season, but – um, you know, just moving forward, right? Maybe try to open up a little bit more space. Um, I do know Duchesne's, you know, had a modified no trade clause that kicked in. I think it was a seven team trade list, which, you know, I, I get it. That kicks in next season. And so maybe that factored in a little bit. But being only a seven team no trade list, like you could probably find a few suitors. I'm sure he would. I.e., that much... means he can't go to Canadian teams. That's literally what right. that is. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I figured he'd probably put teams like Arizona on there. Um, like you mentioned, a bunch of Canadian teams and pretty much anybody else at the bottom of the barrel. But um, is that a se- that's a seventeen a seven team no trade list? So that's only seventeen. He can get traded to twenty five teams, right? That's not so a that, problem, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's the thing. So, like, if your if your mindset is like, oh, I don't think we could move him, so let's tra- let's buy him out now so that we can get some flexibility there. To me, that just that doesn't work, right? And so now you go out. And, and from what I understand, Barry Trotz is trying to change the culture in there. And that was his whole momento. Like, we need we need to change the locker room, right? And I get it. Sometimes you need different voices. You need just new personnel in there. But um, to pretty much just jettison your your top two centers, that's, I mean, that was... For nothing. Just, yeah, essentially for nothing, right? I mean, kudos to, to Colorado for making that deal because... Now I think they have themselves a legit, and at four million bucks, Ryan Johansson is is a decent number two center. So no complaints there. Well, I'd say and that Matt, he's and and maybe even more so. He's he's a third line center, and Colorado looks to add again. Yeah, you know, that's, at the that's deadline they look to add. Yeah, we'll 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 see what happens there. But to me, I mean, again, you talk about Ryan O'Reilly. They bring him in. They bring in. Gustav Nyquist, right? They bring in these veteran guys, which is great. Um, but certainly, when you when you think about the two guys you lost, you bring in those two guys. You're not pushing the needle any. You're not saying, okay, cool, um, we're going to be a better team this year. I I just don't see it. I mean, I don't know. You know, once they you know they bring in Andrew Burnett, I'm not sure if maybe he's going to maybe he had some say in this, right? Like, hey, these are guys that I just I can't work with. I just don't really see them fitting in my scheme, my system. I just don't think they work. These are the type of guys I need. I mean, what's funny to me, you look at Nashville's cap hits, their highest paid forward is Ryan O'Reilly at $4.5 million. So yeah, it's it, all about the defense. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, even even the defense, I mean, after Roman Yossi, uh, it starts to get a well, Dante Frappos uh, solid. But uh, I mean, this team is like 
hey, we got Roman Yossi, UC Saros, and we're going to see what we can do from a forward perspective. I, I just don't know how they're going to score goals. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be all Philip Forsberg, right? I mean, I know yeah. – um, yeah, I mean, I know he's pretty much the the line driver there. He's going to be the guy, um, similar to like Kaprizov in, in Minnesota. I mean, he's just he's going to be your go to goal scorer. And I'm not sure if you know. I mean, Gustav Nyquist. I know he can still pass the puck, which is great. But you know, can guys like Ryan O'Reilly keep up with him and you know keep their legs moving long enough to to help him out? On we'll see how that works out. You um, know, in not this. I mean, this year they have. Uh, almost $9 million in dead cap space. They've got 2.5 to Duchesne, 2 million to Turris for another five years. Uh, Ryan Johansson, they're eating half his salary. And then Ekholm, of course, 250 K uh, for the next three years. So, but next year when that Duchesne cap hit jumps to 5.5, I mean, they're going to be at almost $12 million in just dead cap space. <laughs> Man, I, I'm, I'm. It's confusing because when you look at it and you go, a Ryan O'Reilly signing, sort of just says like, "Hey, we're you know we're trying to win," but it. You look at the rest of the team. You look at the way they're constructed, and you look at the cap hell that they're in and that they've put themselves in. You know why? Why? It's just uh, I'm I'm questioning some of these moves. Uh, I know they have a lot of UFAs at the end of this year from the forward position, like you said. Uh, I just, I don't see a direction yet, and that could just be that you know they they're not done, and this is this is a process. But I don't love what's happening so far. I would I think I would have just preferred to see Duchesne stay for another year. You bring in Ryan O'Reilly, and I, I think you'd still have the, you'd still have about the same same amount of cap space. I think uh, maybe not this year, exactly. Yeah, I mean they'd be able to do it if if they had, it'd be eight million. But yeah, they they would have the cap space to have kept Duchesne this year, and it wouldn't have been a problem. Like, why not just keep him for one more year? You could you could buy him out at the end of next year, and then it's not as it's not as crazy of a of a buyout, but I feel like bring in Ryan O'Reilly and see if he can help to change the culture with Duchesne rather than jettisoning your, a, a pretty productive center. Yeah. And, and the other thing is too, you have to imagine if they're hitting a reset button here. I mean, I don't know internally what they're thinking, but if they just, I mean, if they end up falling off the, if the wheels fall off, right. And they just, they end up, you know, at the bottom of the standings in this division, which is more than possible. Uh, maybe outside of Chicago, but um, I mean, look, UC Saros has only got two years left on his deal. I mean, once he's gone, I then then it's really going to be um, a reset because if you don't have a goaltender and gosh, then your best defensemen are are going to be you know a thirty five year old Roman Yossi, a thirty six year old Ryan McDonough. Yeah, yeah, yes. How, a lot of know. their players are like they're on the wrong side of the age trends. So eventually they are going to start taking steps backwards. And I, I just, I don't see where this team's going. Uh, I, I think that that buyout was very strange other than, Hey, we want to shake things up. And I get that. But I mean, you just lost a player who put up 22 goals and 56 points. And in the year before had a basically a career year. 
who's to say he couldn't do that again? And right, I, yeah, new. I mean, Andrew Burnett brought out the best, and we saw like Jonathan Huberdo. I mean, he did that with these guys, and maybe he could have done the same with Duchesne, another eighty-point season. And you know, if it's fine, if if it was like, oh, Nashville's trying to lose, uh, then then fine, the the move makes sense. And in that case, I guess you're trying to get rid of Yossi. But I, I think you're looking at this and going, they know they have Yossi and Saros, and they're going to try and see what they can do with those guys. But the rest of it just, I mean, why? A lot of whys for me. Uh, don't like what they're doing <laughs> so far. And hopefully Barry Trotz can kind of right this ship, and we'll check in later and they'll be in a better spot. I mean, they do have a lot of draft picks for next year, so there's that. Uh, but I, I would like to see Nashville commit one way or another and figure out what this team's doing. I mean, they don't they don't have an, a real number one center. Ryan O'Reilly, let's be honest, like he had a nice little run with the Leafs. He was in a very protected place because of all the talent that was around him. And But in, in St. Louis... I mean, in 40 games, he had 19 points. I mean, he was a he was a 40-point guy, which, I mean, again, they, they signed him to that number. You know, 4.5, that's about right. Uh, but for another four years, for the way that he plays, uh, you know, that deal's going to take him to 36. Uh, it's just... I, and in four years, what's going to be happening in Nashville? I guess you figure you can trade him, but I don't know. Just seems, seems strange all around. Like, why is Ryan O'Reilly who supposedly is this guy who like just desperately wants to win. Why is he going here to try and win? This is not a team on the cusp of winning a cup. Right. And you, you think if money's not the factor here for him, right? Maybe, I don't know, maybe money in term was his driving force. Maybe but it was a factor. If it really is, right. But I mean, if it really was the Stanley Cup, you could have taken three and a half, 3.8 or something like that and right. gone to a team that is closer right. to winning. Like, for example, Dallas, who just signed Matt you know, Matt Duchesne. I mean, or you're telling me that Toronto wouldn't assign him for 3.8 million. I mean, maybe not for four years. Maybe that's where his, his sticking point, he wanted that the extra year or maybe an extra two years on top of what somebody was willing to give him. Uh, but anyways, uh, we'll, mm. we'll move on from, from Nashville. We'll wait and see if Barry Trotz can, uh, can impress me a little more moving forward. I know that he's, he is pretty concerned about that. He did call me last night, told me, Hey Mark, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, buddy. I, sorry, I, I have a plan, but I can't tell you what it is because then everyone will try to screw me over. So we're just waiting. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's shift over to Dallas, who who signs Matt Duchesne, um, Jim Nil, just doing some under the radar kinds of things that I I really appreciated. Uh, I mean, Sam Steele signing basically almost a league minimum contract there too, who had a a decent season for Minnesota got 10 goals career high in goals and assists and uh and now is going to go to Dallas and probably get the opportunity to you know maybe sneak into their top nine and and play with a little bit more uh higher end talent as opposed to uh, kind of grinding it out the way Minnesota's bottom six does um uh, and then, of course, adding Duchesne, re-signing Dadanov uh, was another big move for them. And uh, what do you think of what Dallas did here in the offseason? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really, really liking everything they did. I was actually kind of expecting a, a Ryan Suter potential trade or buyout, too, um, 
to be quite honest. I mean, he just looked like he was slowing down in the playoffs. But all that aside, I mean, the, the signings they made, I mean, they got good value for guys like Sam Steele. Tied to Landria, they bring in on a, a very team-friendly deal who I think is still developing into a really good middle six uh, center, winger, whatever, wherever you want to put him in the lineup, really. Um, you know, he could be something special for them. But, um, you know, again, I, I go back to the, the Matt Duchesne signing. I think this is just such good value. Uh, at $3 million, you essentially are getting a 50 to 60 point player uh, for that kind of money is just such a bargain. And I mean, that's probably part of the reason too. He took a one year deal. He expects to come in, play top six minutes and, you know, rises, you know, bring his stock up a little bit more and then cash in after this next season. But, um, you know, Duchesne's a guy who still has legs. He still can play. He still is. I mean, he's a great passer and can, and can put up some goals. So, I mean, if they get anything close to the, you know, the goal scorer they had two seasons ago with what? I mean, it was a total of 43 goals, which I, I mean, I don't expect, but if they can get close to 30 goals out of this guy for 3 million bucks, that's just a steal. Absolutely. And I mean, and, and he's got the, you know, he just has, he has experience. He's a, He's a solid guy. He's not a go-to. We, you know, we're gonna have him drive this line kind of player. But he's a very good complimentary guy. He doesn't rustle too many feathers. You know, ruffle, rustle, ruffle too many feathers. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I I like the signing for Dallas because of the depth that it provides them. Um, they've kind of just gone this like, well, we don't really care. We're we're going for the. Uh, we're going for the old guys where, I mean, at this point, this team is all in building around these young guys. And I like the way that they're doing it. Like Matt Duchesne and, and Dadanov and Pavelski, you've got a good mix of veterans and young guys. There, like, there were talks about Jamie Ben maybe being bought out or, or being traded because of the, the salary constraints. And it looks like they're going to run it back with all the rest of their players. So, uh, I, I think that they're in a really good position again to be a team that is you know, definitely there when all is said and done. Like this is, in my mind, a Stanley Cup contending team, especially given you know come trade deadline time, we know that they'll be active and shopping a first round pick, and they can fill in one of their holes. We we know there's no team at this stage in the game that doesn't have a glaring hole. Which for them, you know, you talked about it, Ryan Suter. Uh, you thought he might get bought out, um, but that may be a hole in their in their top four. They can fill that hole. Come trade deadline. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The deadline they can go in, and and again, looking last year at, at the playoffs, especially when you looked at the great numbers that you know Ottinger had, and then of course he goes in the playoffs and kind of has a few stinkers. Um, if he can, if he can bring some mediocre uh, goaltending, I mean, just step it up just a little bit. I, which I honestly think he can. I mean, we, he's shown in the past he's more than capable of it. So if he just brings a little bit closer to that level of hockey, uh, come playoff time and they go out and they maybe address their top four defense, you know, with, with a trade acquisition at the deadline, I think they're going to be ripe to contend for the Stanley Cup. Side note, uh, if the Dallas Stars bought out Ryan Suter, right now he's at a $3.65 million cap hit. Um, for the next two years, it would bring it down to seven eighty three. And then 1.4 the next two years, uh, so it definitely could make sense. I think probably when you when you consider it, you just go, "All right, we're going to save." Essentially, it's going to take us. It'll save us what, like 2.8 million dollars in cap space. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And when I look at that and I go, do I want to say, I mean, at any point you can save 950,000. So, I mean, at any point, just essentially for free, you could send them down to the miners and then you're at a 2.5 cap hit for two years. Um, but when I look at it, I go, is, I mean, is Ryan, Ryan Suter through the regular season worth that 3.65? I, I think so. I, I think you also have to have guys who can get you there. And I mean, we know he can play a ridiculous amount of minutes. <laughs> and when injuries happen throughout the regular season, sometimes you have to lean on those guys. And he's not a terrible player to lean on for 3.56 million bucks. Uh, in the regular season and obviously in the playoffs, it looked like he slowed down, but uh, you're not every player is going to be world beaters come playoff time. But I, I think he's still worth having around. Uh, we'll see you know, if he can kind of get back a little bit, a little bit of speed, doubt it, but <laughs> just not slow down too much again. Okay. Uh, where do you want to go next? Let's, oh. Should we talk Leafs? Yeah, I was actually going to suggest that. Let's, I've been waiting for it. <laughs> all right, let's let's go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who, uh, I mean, there have been signings, right? Like the Leafs go out and they they sign Tyler Bertuzzi, they sign Max Domi, they re-sign David Camp, and this this looks like a you know it's it's a team from a forward perspective that kind of padded their their top six trying to find some good fits in there we actually thought that max domi made a great fit in dallas when we had uh we've we've talked several times about max domi uh but he leaves that situation to go home and uh and be with the leafs i i did see a funny quote from max domi he said yeah my my family all told me that uh thank god we can stop pretending to cheer for these other teams <laughs> oh, we could just cheer for the Leafs. <laughs> oh, I, I like that. Uh, but then, and then, of course, the uh, the Leafs also sign John Klingberg to a one year, four point one million dollar deal. Um, Domi was a three million for one, and Bertuzzi is a five point five for one. So a bunch of one year deals. But uh, I think these one year deals may have taken the cake from anything that Dubas had done previously, as far as potential goes. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I can just tell you right off the bat, I, I love what Bertuzzi and Domi are both going to bring, right? They, they have sandpaper, but they still have skill, um, which is going to be huge. And I think Bertuzzi, I, I mean, honestly, I, I envision him sliding up in, in bunting spot, what you lost in him. I think he's going to provide more offensive production, having, you know, being able to play with skilled players. I know he had kind of a rough season with Detroit. And, and that necessarily, I don't really blame on Detroit or anybody in particular, right? I mean, I just think he was going through some injuries. Um, you know, you, you hear all these rumors all year about, is he going to be in Detroit long-term? Is he going to re-sign? Or are they just going to jettison? And that can mess with guys and their psyche. And so, um, you know, now he goes into a place, you know, in, in Boston during the deadline where he fits in with some skilled players. He knows that he's, you know, playing for a contract now. And so, um, you know, did he overperform a little bit in the playoffs? Maybe. But I, I still think you can get pretty close to a point per game out of this guy, um, you know, especially with the skilled players he's going to be with, you know, uh, you know, potentially with Austin Matthews on that top line with Marner. I think that could be super deadly because he's a guy that's going to go in all the dirty areas. He's going to do everything that those guys probably wouldn't do on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, he'll also agitate a little bit, too. He'll, he'll He's like the poor man's Matthew Kachuk, in my opinion. So 
um, that'll be really fun to watch. And if, you know, he can continue to bring the skill he did when he was putting up 30 goals with Larkin a couple seasons ago, I think you're going to get just such good value out of this contract. And then, of course, for him, you know, re-signing on a, you know, a, a bigger deal, whether it's with Toronto or someone else after the season is, is what it's going to be about. Right. Yep. Yep. Betting on yourself and waiting for the cap to go up uh, a significant amount next year. I was, you know, I was thinking about it. It was like, well, if the cap goes up $5 million, that's an extra $160 million in the system. And uh, if there's that money suddenly becomes available, that's, uh, that's, that's a, pay, that's a pay raise for a guy like Bertuzzi. So it's, <laughs> I think it's, it's smart to bet on yourself and not, not go signing a 5.5 for a few years that, you know, if he has even a, a let's say a sixty-five point season, I mean, he's going to get paid in the sevens for several years if he if he can produce like that. Yeah, um, and I, I think a sixty seventy point season is not out of the question for him when you get to play with guys like right, Matthews right. and Tavares. Well, I mean, exactly. Do you think that Michael Bunting is a sixty point player every year by himself? No, I mean he he showed that he could play with talented players. And that, that is very unique. You know, you think about the guys through, uh, I, I always go back to like a Chris Kunitz, you know, Chris Kunitz, was he great on his own? No, but could he play with good players all the time? Yes. And those players are harder to find than you think guy. Like you can't very, very few superstar players. Can you just put anyone with them and they're going to make them better? Like some of them just play at such a high level that you have to have somebody who can think the same way or uh, like do what they need done. And uh, I, th- I think that that's Zach Hyman. I think that was Michael Bunting. And we'll see if uh, they can go for the three-peat. And uh, I think Tyler Bertuzzi is probably the most uh, talented goal-, goal scorer out of the three. Um, we'll see if, you know, I think what Sheldon Keefe is going to need to do with Bertuzzi with Domi and with Klingberg is get them to all play a more team defensive game. And, uh, that's, that's three projects in one. <laughs> and so, so I'm curious to see how, how Keefe does and, and shapes those guys games, uh, and how they kind of fit into the, the rest of the system because, uh, you know, Klingberg, we, we know how bad Anaheim was defensively, so I think we're all willing to give him a little bit of a pass on uh, what happened in Anaheim, but it's not as if the year before in Dallas, who's pretty decent defensively, uh, that he was definitely lacking in the, the defensive prowess. Um, Max Domi is definitely not known for playing any defense, which is probably why he's bounced around so much. Um, can somebody finally get through to him? That would be uh, that would be the question, but maybe being home, being in your your spot, and being surrounded by the right guys is is going to help uh, help everybody out here. And and uh, you know, I forgot the the other probably the weirdest signing for the Leafs, definitely the weirdest signing is Ryan Reeves, one point three five million for three years to the thirty six year old. Um, yeah, that's a lot of term for a thirty six year old. It's <laughs> a lot of term for a guy who doesn't do anything right. on the ice. Uh, five goals, 15 points in 61 games last year for the Wild and another donut hole for the 12 games he was with New York and zero points in six games in the playoffs. So uh, I I totally understand. You know, it seems as though Tree Living is just trying to uh, bring in some different voices and uh, certainly Ryan Reeves is that. Well, I mean, 
he's probably thinking, I mean, yeah, if, if this doesn't pay off, it's fine. I can, we can send him down to the minors. You know, that's well, I think you, you, you said it right there. He's a different voice, right? They bring him in because he's a locker room guy. He's one of those guys that, I mean, I've heard everywhere he's gone. People love him in the locker room. He's just, he's a, he's a voice, somebody who's going to stand up and say what needs to be said. And, and when, you know, Toronto ultimately gets in these little slumps or, or maybe come playoff time, right? Maybe they're just struggling, uh, whether it's offensively or, or whatever, right? I mean, gosh, I, I would still probably put Toronto towards the top of my, um, you know, Stanley Cup contenders in the East. However, you know, again, whenever these, these down, you know, these slumps occur, he's a guy that's going to step up and, and say what needs to be said in the locker room. Now, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to clash with, with guys like Matthews and Tavares, who are leaders in that locker room as well. Um, but again, come playoff time, he, I don't necessarily see him being, um, you know, a guy that's going to be in the lineup permanently, but he'll be, he'll be scratched most of the nights, I think with this team. But, um, regardless, I think he's just a guy that's worth having around at a million bucks for sure. Yep. Yep. And I think he'll probably end up playing a very similar Wayne Simmons kind of role where, you know, Hey, there may be times when they, they say, Hey, we're going to send you down to the Marlies because we need your cap space. And we'll be bringing you back up kind of thing. You know, I think that there's definitely going to be some some movement on him, at least at some point. Maybe maybe not this year, uh, but I I would say that he's going to be a, a pretty flex guy. There's, there's He'll be in and out of the lineup for sure. Uh, as far as the the goaltending situation for the Leafs uh, with Matt Murray, I was – I so – Here's what's going on right now. Uh, Ilya Samsonov, he has filed for arbitration. And what that does is it opens up a second buyout window for the Leafs following his arbitration decision, essentially to be like, well, you know, if it's if if he gets awarded a certain amount of money, you should have the opportunity to buy someone out so that you could keep that player. That's exactly what is going to happen. Uh, once they figure out what Samsonov is going to get paid in arbitration or they sign him before that, uh, they'll be able to buy out Matt Murray. And I believe that that is what is going to happen. They'll buy out Matt Murray when they can, and that will cost them $2.6 million on the AAV for the next two years, uh, rather than it costing, what, 4.6 this year. So they'll save themselves 2 Oh no! I'm sorry. Uh, the cap it goes down to six hundred eighty-seven thousand next year, so they'll save themselves what five million bucks or four million bucks? <laughs> yeah, four million bucks. Four million bucks. <laughs> this thing's weird. This uh, the cap the cap buyout calculator is weird because it says here's your savings, and it says their savings is five point three three million dollars with a cap hit of six hundred eighty-seven thousand, which is true. That is their dollar amount savings based on his contract, but that's not actually the cap savings. So just gets a little confused. It's confusing for my little head, you know, my little, my yeah. little brain. Because yeah, he's getting $8 million next year. So, I mean, and, from, a, from a, a financial standpoint, it makes sense to buy him out. And from a cap standpoint, it makes sense to buy him out too. Yeah, and you got to remember he's got some retained salary with Ottawa too. So, so suck it, Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 going to be a weird one though. I, I, you know, the one thing I am worried about, you know, I know Matt Murray's probably going to be bought out because everybody knows it's coming. Um, I know Toronto's obviously they didn't buy him out during the first window because they want to try to trade him, but 
if you essentially just know that he's going to be let go and bought out, I mean, he's not going to get a massive contract. There's not going to be a, a line of teams around the block trying to get his services. No, so he's going to be a uh, one, a one, one, one year, one million. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, right now you look at it, uh, Toronto's 8 million bucks over the cap. And I know you can put Jake Muzzin's, uh, salary on long-term yeah. injured reserve and, and get some relief there, but you still got a couple million that you got to sort out. And, um, you know, depending on what Sam Sonoff gets, this will be interesting to see how they, they juggle that, that cap hit. Yep. Yep. That's true. There is still, uh, a little bit of work to be done. I'm, I am curious as to where that money is going to come from. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, cause, yeah. Cause when you, I mean, certainly you can, you know, right now they've got seven defensemen up. Can you move somebody to the minors? Sure. I guess you could, but there's not, not a whole lot of guys that you'd, you'd move out. I mean, that was there. There had been talks about TJ Brody being traded as well. Um, and that would have certainly open up the, the cap space. But I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that it's worth getting rid of Brody. Like, I think that he's still a decent player. I think he was, he was hampered by injuries last year. I, I think now is the, the worst time to sell on him. He's also a free agent. I mean, we just, we know, you know what happens in a contract year for a lot of guys. They have their best years. So I think it's worth holding on to him and kind of figuring out what, you know, what to do with the rest of the pieces. And I don't, it'll, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the Leafs do, but I think, I think the roster you're looking at right now is probably the roster that you're going to see enter into the regular season, which when you look at their forward group, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, we know that, but then add in Bertuzzi and Domi into the top six. Then with Camp, Yarncroke, Lafferty, Matthew Nyes, who's actually probably going to play in the top six, and maybe maybe Domi slots down further. Maybe they, they play more of a balanced three-line attack. Um, I think this might be the best forward group that they're starting a season with in the Matthews era. So I, I yeah. think... I think they're they're poised to do something. It's just a matter of do the rest of the pieces kind of fit come playoff time again. I mean, this is this team's just going to be all about the playoffs. They finally won the round. Now can they extend it further? And like, it's almost like you got to do something quick. There's no just like just win around anymore. It's going to be like, well, if you don't make it to the Stanley Cup Finals or like Game Seven of the Conference Finals, this is. Um, people are really going to lose faith in, in just about everybody here. Well, let me ask you, elephant in the room. They haven't already. Uh, <laughs> right. So elephant in the room, uh, William Nylander. I mean, assuming he doesn't resign this summer, do you start the season with him and play it out, or do you try to move him before before the season starts? This is a – yes, this is the question, right? Like, <laughs> this yeah. is the question for the Leafs is, like – do you hang on to Nylander and hope that you can sign him? Now, a lot of teams have done this over the years, you know, kept, kept high end players without an extension. The Bruins just did it with Pasternak. Not that I'm trying to say that Nylander is as good as Pasternak, but similar means similar to the team. Uh, You got Pasternak, you know, the lightning did it with Stamkos. Let let him go to the, the final hour. Uh, but at the same time, there's been other teams like the Calgary Flames 
letting uh, Goudreau go. The Islanders with John Tavares, they got screwed there. Uh, I'm sure there's. I'm sure a lot of Islanders fans are going, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah keep Nylander. We'll get Nylander. Like, I would think that the island would be a potential destination for Nylander. So I I look at it and I go, "Oh, that would be." Uh, they're they're probably all hoping he gets to UFA and they can go scoop him and they can taunt the Leafs for the next eight years. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he wants to be in Toronto. Like I, I think that's pretty clear that he would like to stay. Uh, but he's also not willing to be underpaid again. Like, hey, I get it. You know, Nylander pulls up cap friendly and he looks at that list of players and he goes, and why am I getting $6.9 million when Tavares is getting eleven? And like, am I that much worse? Am I half the player of, of these guys? No. I want, you know, I would think that he wants, uh, well, what we understand, he wants $10 million a season. Uh, and and I think that that's, that's fine. Of course, you're not going to go in and go, you know, I'll settle for eight and a half if that's cool with you guys. Because then, of course, you know, they'll try to squeeze you for more. So he comes in looking for 10. Maybe ultimately he's more of a nine, which I, if you can get nine, nine and a half for Nylander, I'm in. Like, I think that's fair market value and... And that's fine. I think Tavares' deal will be up. You obviously won't be retaining him, at least not at $11 million bucks. So that issue will kind of solve itself. Um, Nylander has gotten better every single year. I, I think that he's somebody that you want to keep around if you can. You'll never replace him. So I I think you just you do what you need to do to keep him. Maybe not at $10 bucks, but I, I think ultimately he signs. And so... I think I go into the into the regular season saying, you know, we want to sign him. We are just gonna we're just gonna play this out for a little while because you know we all, everybody just needs to you know, figure this out for themselves. So I I'm okay with letting it, letting this ride for a little while because I think that without him the Leafs are not a Stanley Cup winner. I think with them with him they they stand stand a chance. Yeah, so here's what I'll say about that. I do think um, when you look at what Carolina did, right, I think they're going to probably be looked at as potentially the favorite in the East, I think, coming out this year. Um, You know, of course, New Jersey is going to be up there as well. I think looking at what New Jersey did, I think you can't get rid of Nylander just because of how good New Jersey's top six looks. Um, Because really, I mean, if you look at both teams on paper, I'm almost tempted to take New Jersey over Toronto at this point. But again... Um, I mean, really, it's only from a cap a management flip. standpoint. Well, I mean, gosh, yeah, that's just from a that's cap management impressive. standpoint. Yes. But from a, a talent standpoint, I'm still taking Matthews over Hughes. I'm still taking uh, Neil or uh, Marner over Brat or Meyer, whoever you want to say. Um, I think I'm still still taking Tavares over uh over one of those guys. It's just that Nico, he sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At 24. But regardless, I, I, I think, you know, again, you, you've got very comparable teams here. And I think that's really, it's going to boil down between, I think one of those three teams, ultimately, if you, if you think this is going to go the distance and, and getting rid of Nylander is not going to, not going to help you push the needle at all. Right. So um, it, it's obviously a gamble, right? He could just walk at the end of free agency, but at the same time, maybe you, I mean, maybe you find a way to, to work things out and get a deal done. He he also he can submit a ten team no trade 
list, right? Like that's not a big deal. There's still 22 other teams you can trade them to. Uh, my guess is that, you know, if we hit trade dead, like if we're in January, we get into February and it's like, and we're no, we are nowhere close. And maybe he's having a career year and the Leafs just go, we either, we just keep him as a rental or we have to trade him and try to get something. And maybe they decide that they don't want to lose him for nothing. And they trade him at that point. Um, I, I think that your return is going to be similar um, at the deadline as it would be right now. I mean, he's 6.9 million. If the Leafs were like, hey, well, like, sure, because we want to recoup assets, we're going to eat half that deal. You could trade him to almost any team at the deadline. Yeah. No, I, so I agree if with you. you. If I, you want to move him, you, you can move him later. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, you have to look at the GM here in Toronto, right? Brad Tree Living. Obviously, getting burned on you know Matthew Kachuk and Goudreau and all those other you know we know what happened in Calgary, right? So um, I don't think he's looking to get burned again by Nylander. So I do think if you know again there's there's any sort of like potential like okay this guy's probably not going to sign with us. Any inkling of that? I think getting closer to deadline January February they're probably gonna probably gonna move him in my opinion. Well, and that, but that's see it's it is a very different situation because Goudreau I think when you when all was said and done, Goudreau just kind of was like, I, I don't want I don't want to be here anymore. Like Calgary offered him more money and he chose to go somewhere else. It had nothing to do with money. So I mean it wasn't it wasn't financial. With Nylander, this is just financial. He wants to be in Toronto. This is just can the Leafs make his number work? And I think at $10 million, the Leafs could make it work. <laughs> I think that for the 24-25 season, it would look really rough, especially if Matthews gets like $14 million a year, $13.5. Um, it's going to look... It's going to be a, a tough year to go out and be able to fill in the rest of the holes. Uh, but, hey, the cap goes up, and you know maybe you're in a, a slightly better position in that sense, but... I, well, that's another part of the equation, too, you, you you mentioned there with Matthew's contract, right? So I think Nylander sitting back waiting on Matthew's saying, is he going to take a little bit of a pay cut, a discount, right? Maybe instead of that 14, maybe he comes in at 12, you know, 8, 9, or 13-ish million, like 13 million bucks, right? Did you know, you know Nick, Nick Kiprios reported that he wanted eight years, 15 million. That Matthew's did? Yeah. Unreal, but um, but there but there, I think that is the eight year deal. Like I get that sure. that's your eight year deal, but at a, at a five a five year deal, you're you're looking at less. I, I, Matthews is very clearly calculated in that. Like he's like, oh, I'm he's kind of doing the NBA thing. Like, oh, the cap's going to go up. I could get paid way more if I just sign a shorter deal. Oh yeah, I I mean it's it's a trend that's starting right now. But I think again back to Nylander, I do think if Matthews is willing to take thirteen, thirteen and a half million bucks at the most, you know, then you can come back at Nylander and say, okay, cool, he took a little cut, uh, you know, whether it was maybe just a million bucks or what have you, um, then you could say, okay, cool, I'm willing to come in at nine million bucks, right? Now right. I'll take a little cut too to make this work. Yep, yep, and I think that that's uh, hopefully what what everyone does here. I, I think gone are the times of like, yeah, man, I just want, I just want to win. I'll take, I'll take far under my, my value. Um, 
So I, yeah, I, I think Nylander ultimately resigns. That's just my gut. I think he wants to be there. And, uh, as long, as long as they can keep this little crew together, they will. So, um, all right, let's, let's move on from the Leafs. Uh, Let's let's maybe head in the direct. Oh, uh, just real quick, what do you think of the uh, Kopitar two years, fourteen million dollars? Uh, that seven million dollar cap hit. What do you think of that that re-signing for the uh, what the thirty five year old Kopitar? Yeah, I love it. Good I with mean, that. Yeah, love it. Just because again, um, you look at the way the league's going, and well, I shouldn't say the way the league's going, but the way the league has been, and I think now more than ever. It's becoming more imperative. You have a strong one, two, three down the middle. I mean, you look at, you know, Vegas, what they were able to do with William Carlson, Jack Eichel, and Chandler Stevenson. And, and, you know, obviously teams before them, right? I mean, you have to have strong players down the middle of the lineup. And and I don't think a guy like Quentin Byfield is quite there yet. He's not ready. So you bring in that insurance with Pierre-Luc Dubois and you keep your Kopitar, your, your leadership, your your leader around in this locker room for a couple more years, similar to what Carolina did with Jordan Stahl, right? He wasn't necessarily pushing the, the needle offensively, but he meant so much to that team. And I think the same with Kopitar, he, how much he means to this team. Um, and he can still produce offensively. So um, to get him at 7 million bucks, I think just, just works so good for, yeah, for this yeah. team to be able to have such depth down the middle. And then of course, if Quentin Byfield works out and he, he ends up being just like just a superstar center, um, then, you know, you figure at that point, two years from now, he's ready to go and maybe be a number one or two center and, and Kopitar can ride off into the sunset. It is funny. You know, Kopitar had his best season since seventeen eighteen, and uh, he gets a, a 30% pay cut. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's made his <laughs> when money, the ca- right? That's when the, the cap is going to go up, he gets a, a massive pay cut. Now, obviously, he's uh, he has gone through some losing years, and I got to imagine that he's like, yeah, I'm done with this losing. Like, just help us to win. You know that ten, mm-hmm. that ten million dollar contract. You you look at since sixteen seventeen where this team has been. They've only made the playoffs four times, and they've never been out of the first round since he signed that contract. It's pretty crazy to think about that. They have not been out of the first round his entire contract at ten million bucks. Wow! And I wonder if he looks at that and goes. You know, hey, my contract maybe hampered this team a little bit to be able to bring in more talent. So, yeah, I'll take a pay cut. Like, I want to win. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that extra three million bucks can get you a really nice third line player to, to add some depth there. Exactly. Yep. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, he had three years in a row: 11, 12, 12, 13, 13, 14, where they at least made it to the conference finals. They won the cup twice in there. Uh, other than that, he's never been out of the first round. <laughs> and uh, he's only, wow. yeah, he, he really has not made, he, he's only played, he's played it for, for a guy with two Stanley Cups. Uh, he's only played in 92 playoff games. For like, yeah, if, that's you, shocking. if you eliminate those two Stanley Cup runs, um, I think he's played, what, that's uh, that's tw- 46 of those 92 games. So that's half of his playoff games have come in a two-year two year period. <laughs> the rest of the time, you can't get out of the first round. So it's just a, he's known as a winner, and it's funny because he just hasn't won anything since he was like 25 years old. Uh, so just just an interesting, you know, some, sometimes, okay, okay. sometimes guys don't, uh, they win early and they don't win again. You know, that, that does happen. Um, 
I want to talk about the Debrinka trade before we go. Uh, mm. The move of the summer for uh, for my money, Steve Eiserman, like kind of, I won't say undoes, but like reveals, you know, what he had been planning the whole time. I think that this was in the works, and it makes several other moves make a lot of sense. But uh, yeah, I I want to get fresh off from from your perspective. Uh, this Alex Debrinket trade and signing. Uh, what do you think of this? How do you feel about it? I mean, my first initial thought was highway robbery, right? Um, just when you put in that combination of what you gave up to bring in a 40 goal score and then what you were able to re-sign him at for that kind of value. I mean, look, I, I, it was pretty clear. And I, I think all the, the insiders were saying that Detroit was his only team of choice. He wanted to go home. He's a Farmington Hills kid, right? He grew up here idolizing the Red Wings. This was the place he wanted to play, right? Similar to Max Domi in Toronto, right? That's just that was the team he wanted to be at the whole entire time. And so um, other teams that we heard rumored in there, like the the Ducks or the Islanders trying to go after him, right? I think that was just that was just smoke covering up what ultimately was gonna happen. And to me, the the most amazing part of all this was the fact that, you know, you guy that wants to be there, you bring in a forty goal scorer and a guy who is essentially, you know, right in his prime at at 25 years old, and you managed to keep that term to only four years. I mean, you just gave JT comp for five years, but you bring in a 40 goal scorer and only, you know, managed to lock him up for four years. Now, I don't know if, you know, again, if Debrinket was thinking, okay, cool, I can get out at 29. Yeah, one more, one more big deal. deal. Yep. Right. Maybe that was his motivation, but still, you get that cap at under 8 million bucks. I figured it was going to go right up. And, and be a similar deal to what Dylan Larkin got. I, I thought that they were going to have similar cap hits. Um, you know, I think, because I think just because thing. he's a winger, that's the, you know, that's the Yeah, knock. maybe. The wingers right, are just not getting thing. paid the way that centers are getting paid anymore. Right. There's there's rare cases out there with your Panerans, your, your you know, your pastas. But again, Dabrinkit's not at their level of talent. But again, he's still a 40-goal scorer, and that's the one thing Detroit has missed, right? They haven't had a guy who scored 35-plus goals since Marion Hosa in 09. Right. Um, yeah. so, and he was there for that year. <laughs> right. And gone. So that's the thing. They've been missing a goal score. Now they get a, a legit scoring threat they can put up with, you know, Dylan Larkin. And, and we saw, you know, he was able to – he had good chemistry with Pertuzzi and managed to make him a 30-goal scorer. Um, now I have to imagine, you know, Larkin with his speed, his talent that he has, and the way he plays – you know, both ends of the ice very, very well. I have to imagine he's going to bring to Brinkett close to, you know, at least a 75, maybe 80 point player uh, again, and, and potentially bring out a, you know, at least get 30 goals out of this guy. Um, so again, for Detroit to acquire, um, essentially all they had to give up was a conditional first round pick. Um, uh, Kubalik, who's going to be a free agent after this year anyways. And 20 then, goal uh, scorer know, though. Yeah, 20 goals. Not, score, not, not bad, insignificant but, uh, in terms of what he offered from a, a point perspective. Like, no, no, I'll say that the trade wasn't an all-out fleecing from an on-ice perspective this year because of, you know, Kubelik did... I mean, Dabrinkit scored seven more goals and put up 21 more points, playing a lot more minutes than Kubelik did. Uh, right. So, I mean, you, you gotta... You're hoping for a bigger improvement from Dabrinkit. Also, of course, you're you're hoping for someone who can can play against higher end talent. Like Kubalik's 20, 20 goals um, came a little bit more protected than what you think you can get from Alex Dabrinkit. Yeah, he was ripping it on the power play. I mean, that's just where he he was scoring, and 
Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I mean, you look at the other pieces they gave up. Sabrango, right? He's just, I mean, he was a third-round pick, but a guy who, um, you know, was kind of buried in that defensive system behind a lot of other prospects. Um, your Edvinsons, your your Wallander. So, you know, again, he was a little bit of a long shot to make Detroit here in the near future. So it doesn't hurt them so much to give up that B-level type prospect. And, um, you know, the Senators get a, a decent guy that maybe can, you know, end up being a, you know, a top six defenseman for them in the future. Who knows? And, and then the fourth pick, of course, which to me is pretty much worthless at that point. <laughs> until it until it's not. But I mean, yeah, you, until it's not. But, but even <laughs> if even if Ottawa goes and they draft a a Hall of Fame player with their fourth round pick, I mean, it's not as if Detroit would have taken the same guy. It's a fourth right, round exactly. Pick. Like everything is, we'll say, in some respects, lucky because what does maybe each team once every like six, seven years have a successful late round pick actually join their organization and be good. Um, maybe even in fewer than that. Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about, you know, what's, what's the fit for Alex to bring it uh, after the wings. So last year, you know, it seems like two years in a row, the wings have been the most active team at the deadline. And, you know, I remember when they signed David Perron, he left St. Louis, and a lot of people talked about how St. Louis's power play would really suffer because of the loss of Perron, just because of what he, he brought to the table on the power play and how Detroit's power play would see some improvements. And I think it did. Um, but you look at the this, these last two off-seasons, now adding Debrinkit, when you consider Perron and Debrinkit on there now with, with Larkin and you're, of course, going to have Mo Sider back there, probably on the uh, kind of power play or uh, quarterbacking this whole thing. And uh, then you have your options to throw in Lucas Raymond. You can try even even a, uh, you know, Andrew Kopp up there playing up net front. And you get JT Comfort. I mean, there's there's some now some options for the Red Wings. What Debrinket does is open up everything for everyone else on the ice, which I think is going to only help Perron to help improve this power play too. I think Detroit could have a sneaky good top 10 power play when all is said and done at the end of the year. Yeah. And the other thing you mentioned Raymond's name in there too. What I really love about bringing him to Brinkett is now you don't have to force Raymond to play top line minutes, right? So maybe he got, you know, again, he had a good rookie season, but last year he had that sophomore slump, right? So maybe he's just playing above where he really should be in the lineup. Maybe he's, you know, ultimately just a second line winger who's going to, you know, contribute 25 to 30 goals, which would be great. 60 points, 30 and 30. Um, and maybe that's all he's going to be, which is, which would be fantastic. Um, but, you know, playing on the top line, maybe those, that defensive responsibility that goes along with those kind of minutes, maybe he's just not suited for that. So being able to play down in the lineup with guys like JT Confer or Andrew Kampf, who can help you out defensively, uh, that might work out ultimately better for him and for the team in general. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Derek Lalone comes in, new head coach. Uh, he's only been in the right. league two years. He's had two head coaches. That's that's not an easy thing to deal with. Uh, he really doesn't fall off that much. You know, he plays eight fewer games. He had 12 fewer points. I mean, maybe he's at uh, 10 fewer points or nine fewer points if he plays all those games. Uh, he He pretty much had the same production. Like very, very similar production in terms of actual counting stats. His plus minus was much better. Um, almost cut it in half from minus 32 to minus 17. That has to be, 
factored in a little bit. Like Raymond did, he he's improving. Uh, I think that you know, Lalone goes to him and says, "I mean, hey, you had a good rookie season, but defensively, you were not good. <laughs> you, we we can't play like that if we're going to win. You know, you can you can score all the goals you want to be, but if you're on the ice thirty for thirty two goals." more against than you're you know than you are out there for that's going to be a problem uh i know that there's a lot more uh advanced stats that we could look at but i mean when you're considering a guy who was on the ice for 32 more goals against five on five i mean that is significant and i know that detroit was bad but you do see that improvement he actually started only 48% of his faceoffs in the offensive zone this last year. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> he, started, say, he started 40% in the defensive zone, which is actually more than what he had the year before. So okay. he went from 63 in the offensive zone to 59%. So uh, oh, yeah, over the course of uh, hundreds of faceoffs, that's, that is significant. You know, you're you're getting a, a little bit fewer chances, but also being leaned on more defensively and maybe playing a, a little bit better defensively as well. So I think all you want to see from him, and you know, actually his Corsi went up, his Fenwick went up, like all his possession stats actually went up. Um, I think you just want to see from him uh, a continued improvement. Like, I don't think that he got worse. I think that the team just changed and they brought in a bunch of veterans and that, probably just threw, you know, it threw the balance of power off. And for a young guy like Raymond, who had so much, seemingly so much success that first year, uh, when he doesn't go and take a, a big offensive step, it can seem like he took a step backwards when really I think he's just working on other aspects of his game, especially because they are probably telling him, we're, we're not trying to win the Stanley Cup this year. We are trying to prepare ourselves to win a cup in four years. So, learn how to play this game right. And I think Lalone, based on what he did in Tampa Bay, you know, he can he can mold these younger players and and I'm sure he's been tasked. Like Lucas Raymond needs to be our Alex Kalorn, our Andre Palat. Like we need these guys who aren't the superstars, but are superstars on our team. And I think that that if the Wings are going to go win a cup, I think that Lucas Raymond fits the bill for those types of players. Hey, I love it. And so here's here's what's the funniest part of this whole entire trade to me, which I'm really hoping kind of plays out this year, but secretly I don't think it will. But, um, you, you know, right now we, we've pretty much had Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit in the mix as teams that are up and coming. They're going to be contending for a playoff spot this next season. Yep. Um, how funny would it be if this trade ends up bumping Ottawa beneath the standings in Detroit, you know, hops them and takes the playoff spot and Ottawa misses. I mean, that's just the irony there just makes me laugh <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's the difficulty about trading within the division, uh, which is, you know, when I look at that trade now, I, I know, I know we, we said it's a, it's a fleecing, uh, all, honestly, barely Ottawa's fault. If, if other teams know that there's, there's no chance he's going there. Uh, I I guess I'd say, you know, that's just kind of is what it is. What do you do? Um, but you know, I I do think that I think that Kubalik's going to be 
going to be good for Ottawa. Uh, but I I wonder, you know, is, is Ottawa kind of set up a little bit further ahead than Detroit to be able to, to win it? Like I, I like Ottawa's high end talent more than I like Detroit's high end talent right now. And uh, I, I think the only thing they have to figure out is, is kind of that middle pairing defenseman kind of vibe, which I think is Detroit's issue too. So they're very similar, very similar. Although Ottawa, I think is probably two years further into a, a deeper rebuild than Detroit. Like they've already got their, you know, Stutzla, Kachuk, uh, Norris, all these guys signed to their big deals already. Uh, Batherson, Giroux, and uh, whereas Detroit is kind of still, we're waiting to see them do something, especially on the defensive side where, you know, Ottawa goes out, they get Chikrin. They've already got Shabbat. From a defensive standpoint, you look at Detroit, other than Mo Sider, right now, I know I know. We uh, they obviously have Ed, Edvinson coming, who's going to be very good. But right now, defensively, Detroit just does not look like they'll be able to keep up in this division just yet. Well, we shall see. Oh, we shall see indeed. Um, I mean, for your sake, I hope that they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I will say <laughs> this about the division, right? I mean, obviously, we know Toronto's going to be there at the top. Uh, but the one nice thing is, is, obviously, I think the Bruins, regardless if Bergeron comes back, I don't think both Bergeron and Krejci will be back. You know, maybe one of them. Um, but I think they're obviously they're not going to win 70 games again. So no. you're going to you're going to see a lot more distribution of those wins, um, you know, uh, going elsewhere in Detroit, hopefully can can take advantage of that. I mean, I know Toronto likely will. Um, so we'll see if, you know, teams like, you know, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, if they can scoop up a few more wins. You know, there's only eight players left on the Tampa Bay Lightning from when they won the Stanley Cup. That's it, really? Three years ago. Yeah, eight players. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, though, those eight players are super important. And uh, boy, got, I mean. So I think you've got Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Sorelli, Sergachev, Hedman, Chernak, and Vasilevsky. There's your yeah, eight. All- just all a a plus players. I it's mean. your core, your total core, and then the rest of them are. Uh, was Zach Bogo- was Zach Bogosian there when they won the cup? No, he was. He wasn't. He was with the Leafs. Yeah, no. he was there. He was there when they went to the finals, but not when they won the cup. No, so he did win with their first cup. Oh, their first one. Yeah, their first of the back to backs. He did. He was with them and won. And then went to Toronto. And that's then came right. Back and then he the went back. That's right. Yeah, finals. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess that's nine. I guess that's nine. Uh, but he wasn't there for both of them. So he, yeah, he wasn't. And there count them eight and a half. Then <laughs> the night nineteen twenty, they won. The, they won the cup. They only played twenty games. Wow. Yeah, they skated through teams pretty. I mean, you know, they. I mean, that was the bubble year. But ah, uh, yes, um, yes, the bubble year. Although, oh, I guess, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, any any final thoughts on signings, potential trades? Where uh, I guess do you want to just real quick talk uh, guys who are left over right now? Patrick Kane. I hear Jonathan Taves is going to retire. That's the that's the last thing I I heard. I think I read something about yesterday that uh, he's yeah I, played his last. I game. mean. Teams probably don't want to take a chance on him with his injury history. And well, I don't think he wants to play. 
I, I think that this well, that like too, long right? COVID something or other with his, I think he's having a lot of issues. I think well, he had a good thing. year, and and you you want to leave before the game leaves you, right? And so I think that could be the mindset here that too. Um, you know, let's go out on top, looking like a, you know the player I, w- I was. Yeah, uh, we do know that Anthony D'Angelo he was placed on waivers to be bought out, and he will be bought out by the uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers, and then he's going to go sign in Carolina. So yeah, uh, most likely <laughs> we we do know that that's that's likely going to happen. Um, I I am surprised that Matt Dumba has not signed anywhere yet. I am too, and and I think maybe he's just looking for for term, and maybe he's not getting that. Um, well, now, regardless, now nobody has any more money. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah, so I think now you're going to see probably a John Klingberg scenario right. play out here where he's going to go have to take a one year you know deal, maybe three or four million bucks. <sighs> And bet on himself, and then you know hope hope to cash in. But um, you know, again, there's there's no shortage of teams that could use a guy like Matt Dumba. I mean, a right-handed shot defenseman who plays very very good. I mean, he plays very good at both ends of the ice, and and you saw it. There's a reason he was wearing an A towards the end of the year with with Minnesota. I mean, he's just he's a guy that is just such a team player. He's a great locker room guy to have. So I think there's going to be a lot of teams out there that are going to be going to be clamoring for him uh, obviously not going to give him the six million bucks he had but he can still bring some good offensive production to your team and uh, add a lot of value especially if you have him on say a third pairing or you know maybe a number five four spot so all right uh and then there's also the uh the whole patrick kane like where's patrick king going to end up here what uh i really have heard very little about what's going on with patrick kane uh it i mean Hey, he still had almost 60 points. Like he, he was on a 60 point pace last year. He still has it. He can still do it. Uh, I know it maybe wasn't the, didn't end up being the great fit that everyone thought that it would be in, in New York. I, I, he was fine, but I don't know that it was the perfect fit. I think maybe he needs a little more speed around him. He, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm, I'll, I'll give you my dream scenario. I don't know if he would do it. But I would absolutely love to see Patrick Kane sign in Detroit, play with Alex Dabrinkit again. Oh, in between Lark, like it's Larkin with Dabrinkit and Kane. They've got the cap space. If he's willing to sign a, like a five million dollar, maybe he just comes in. I want a one, one times five, even a one times six. I think you could squeeze it in there if he was willing to come. And you know he's won his cups. Maybe he says, "Hey, I like. I'm gonna come hang out with Alex again, and we're gonna see if we can't make something of this uh, Detroit team." And then you know what? If things, if they don't have the season that you're hoping, you can just trade Patrick Kane at the deadline again. Yeah. So here's what I read about Patrick Kane, and I, I think it was yesterday that uh, there was an article basically came out and said that he's essentially going to wait till November, December when he's fully 100% ready to go before he makes a decision. Oh, okay. He's going to pull a Matt Sundin, huh? Yeah, well, well, essentially what he's doing is he's he's chasing the cup. He's not chasing the money or else he probably would have signed. Um, but, you know, he's going to, he knows he's going to obviously come with a little bit heftier price tag and a lot of teams can't afford that right now. So he's going to wait till, you know, halfway through the year when teams have used up a lot of LTIR. They've created cap space that way. And then he can essentially pick and choose what teams he can afford to go to. Um, you know, again, th- there's been talks about like Colorado, how he would fit in very well there. 
Um, but again, with them being pressed up against the cap, maybe they get some relief down the road with, you know, Landis Gog being on LTIR and, and other players as, you know, seasons typically, um, you know, have happened to teams. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, there's really, there's really no in, there's really no inkling on where he's going to go. It's just basically who's going to have cap space and who's contending for a Stanley Cup. Okay, yeah, just going to kind of sign sign where whoever is is doing well um, yep. in November. Not a not a bad plan. Um, then of course Vladimir Tarasenko, kind of in the same boat. Um, definitely a little younger and healthier. I think uh, my guess is that he's he has teams that he wants to go play for. My guess is that it's those teams trying to make it work. <clears throat> so I, I know I heard Ottawa was a potential destination after the Debrinka trade. We'll see if that still holds true. Uh, but you know, there, there has been some years where you're like, wow, I can't believe all these players are still available. This year has been a little bit less than that. You know, of course, Tatar is still out there, Dumba, Josh Bailey, but uh, it kind of all just makes sense. I think all those guys will find ultimate landing spots, and uh, a lot of those guys have already gotten paid throughout their career, so you don't feel as bad as the guy who you're like, oh, man, he was hoping for a payday, uh, and and now he's not going to get it. You know, he kind of gets – some of those guys get squeezed, so uh, – I. I wonder if Tatar just kind of goes, does he go back to New Jersey kind of vibe and, uh, and they're just trying to fit him under the cap. That would be my guess with, with Tatar. I mean, he, he played well for them. It's not as if there wasn't a fit there. It's just a matter of him fitting under the cap, I guess. Yeah. I think, you know, with a guy like Tatar, he still wants to get paid. Um, and he can still produce. I mean, he puts up 40 to 50 points and 20 goals the plus. Yeah. And the, the plus 40 last year was just, it, it's crazy how well he played defensively. I mean, I just, I didn't see that kind of player when he was in Detroit, but I mean, he definitely, you know, you go to the right system, you find the right players to play with and it works out well for you. And so, you know, again, you know, maybe he's just looking for the right spot, not necessarily a spot that can afford him. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. New Jersey brought in Tyler to Don't forget. So, I mean, I think that he kind of takes his spot on the top six. Yep. Uh, but, you know, we'll we'll see what Tatar ultimately does. All right. Well, uh, I think, you know, we are a, we are very deep into the summer and we have yet to do a, a top 10 list. So I, I think our next show, you know, well, we will always talk uh, things that are going on. I think everything's really slowed down. So I think it's time to we, we bring our top 10s back in. Um you uh you said that you had a couple ideas for a top ten, so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you this uh this one, and you you tell the listeners what our next top ten is gonna be. Ooh, so I gotta pick one now. Okay, you do have to pick uh, one. Yes, I'm very much picking putting you on the spot. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. I'll this is one that I I figured at some point we'd probably do during the summer. Um, but you know what? I think it's a good one to kick off. So let's do top 10 breakout stars next season. Perfect. I love it. All right. Next show, top 10 breakout stars, uh, a little bit more of a, I, I suppose a little more of like a, a fantasy hockey show. Uh, and, uh, just in general, who is going to break out? Um, will Connor Bedard be on your list? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> is he going to break out? We'll see. <laughs> Unexpectedly. What would an unexpected breakout season for Connor Bedard be? Like, 145 points. 
I think anything over a point per game, really. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll do that on our next show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk, and uh, we yeah find it. Yeah. Wow, where'd my brain go? My brain just disappeared. You can find us on Twitter. And Justin, I hope you have a great rest of your day. To our listeners, enjoy the summer.